what I really want to do for the Layla, maybe get married one day to a beautiful woman from Africa or from from anywhere. I wouldn't really li- limit myself, but uh, you know, somebody kind and also get to work for my community, basically back in Africa. You know, kind of make myself more visible for my community, funding my community. Because I feel like at a certain point I'm going to have a lot of money and I need to give back to my community. Welcome back to Raw Material, Season 4, Lovers. This is an arts and culture podcast from SFMOMA, and I'm your host, Chelsea Beck. And that, my lovers, is the voice of the artist and activist Leila Babieri, also known as Babri Leila. Take your pick, but don't forget the name because this woman is on fucking fire. Actually, that's another name she used to go by, Burns. In the previous episode, we talked about how the AIDS crisis of the 1980s forced what had remained silent to be heard, bringing the voices of queer artists and queer art to a larger audience through coordinated activism. Art was a matter of life and death, creating narratives and combating erasure. Layla's journey of sexual and artistic freedom has also been a matter of life and death. And like the sculpture she carves and assembles, Layla is a powerful physical presence. She looks strong and ever ready to strike a pose. Confidence beams from her smile. Her inquisitive and playful nature consistently direct her head into a sideways tilt. And her eyes, they sparkle when she talks. She's one of those people who seems to create community wherever she goes. So when she realized she was gay, and that the queer community in Uganda, of which she was now a part, was widely regarded as less than human, she began to make art to assert her queerness and her humanity. I started looking at what is going on in the community. People were being called rubbish, names and all that. So I started off by gathering rubbish and just burning it out. Just burning everything. How about if I create out of what I've burnt? So that is how I started uh, making, burning a lot of artwork. Those were dark days for Layla, when she was making art out of carefully selected pieces of trash found on the streets of her hometown. Tactile, abstract assemblages. She'd burn the plastic parts publicly, airing out her anger by poisoning the air and everyone around her, including herself. She's from Kampala, the capital city of Uganda, where the rights of LGBTQ individuals are under constant threat. They're harassed and they're silenced. To engage in homosexual activity is to engage in criminal activity. You were safe in prison than being safe on the street to be beaten by people because of your sexuality. There was a time when I started producing uh, artwork, basically, because I had a lot of anger in me. I was so depressed. I, I felt so traumatized. Leila didn't know she was an artist 
until she began attending law school, which was the path her father was convinced she should take. But one day, on her way to class, a woman professor, whom Layla admired, caught her eye. She was working on a sculpture at the art school, right next to the law building. That was the starting point and turning from doing law and uh, doing visual arts. At the same time, she began to immerse herself in her art. A hidden gay world began to open up to her. And again, just like art school, Layla's entree into this world came from admiring a woman. They used to admire her, the way she dresses. You know, she used to dress like a tomboy. She used to come to church. She was a church leader, playing music. But what was so interesting, she had a girlfriend and she would come with her girlfriend. And one day I kind of got closer to her by starting to clean her car, washing it. Pro tip, there's a reason sexy car washes are a thing. No bikinis or Daisy Dukes necessary. Washing a person's car is hot, period. And she started liking me just like that. And then she probably, she told me she knew I was gay, but maybe I didn't know. And one day she invites me to her home. When I go to her home, For lunch, she kisses with her girlfriend in front of me. Layla had never seen two women kissing like that before. Layla had always been drawn to women. She was expelled from her high school for getting too close to one in particular. She thought she was sick. The reactions from her teachers and family whenever she expressed interest in women made her feel deviant. Why was she attracted to women when no one else around her was? But now... Seeing these women kiss, everything changed. It might be hard for some listeners to imagine a world in which same-sex sex and relationships and love were completely unknown and invisible. I imagine the world becoming technicolor for Layla when she saw these women kiss. It validated so much of what she felt but had never seen. I'm like... Seriously, I've never seen this. And she's like, yes, this is who I am. Um, Some people know me, some people don't know me. But uh, I keep it a secret at times. So that is how I started getting to know, oh yes, there are gay people. She's like, oh, there are many organizations, you know. She even told me, we have bars. I'm like... Don't tell me they're bars. And when I, when I got close to her, I realized that some of the students in university are gay. Because we would find each other in those spots. She's like, oh, I know you, but we knew you were gay, but you didn't. You know, so that is how the gay beat come in. It was during these formative years in the wizarding world of gay Kampala while Layla's art practice and knowledge of her queer community were deepening, that Uganda's anti-homosexuality bill was proposed. In an already hostile environment to LGBTQ people, 
This bill was intended to make the consequences of being gay even harsher, even punishable by death. Jail time was also proposed for people who merely supported LGBTQ people. When I get room to blow, I'm going to blow. So after my um, undergraduate, I go in to apply for my master's, and this was the only way to start talking about gay issues in my work. Around 2009, one of our colleagues was murdered. So that was a trigger to me. He was, uh, he was a very famous gay activist, and he was slaughtered like with uh, knives. They cut him. That, that was a big trigger that happened when I was still at university. The other trigger that triggered me is uh, the passing of the anti-homosexuality bill. They first called it uh, Kill the Gay Bill. Leila had heard and read gay activists' words, but she had not seen any visual representation of what she was feeling. She wondered if art could be a means of activism, a way to represent the desire and humanity of queer people. The first day in class, they asked me, okay, explain us about your thesis. Why do you want to look up at the LGBT community? And what is LGBT, by the way? I started describing the LGBT lesbian. Oh my God, one professor out. Bisexual, one professor out. Gay, one prof- By the time I, I reached to the transgender, I was alone in the room. Layla had reached an impasse. In order to break through, she had to double down on speaking up about her sexuality and her artistic ambition. These two forces together naturally led to activism. After her professors walked out on her, they approached her with caution and they made wild accusations and gave her bad career advice. Tell me who's paying you. Who's paying you to come and uh, teach uh, students gay? And why are you polluting the environment? She called it polluting. I'm like, seriously, nobody's paying me. I'm paying my tuition. Uh, One of the professor calls me and tells me, "Uh, why don't you turn into eroticism, which which is uh, basically looking at naked figures. If you really want to look at women or talk about women, because we know you're gay and you like women. So I ended up having no uh, professor and I ended up having no master's. What good was her master's degree if her teachers wouldn't support the art she wanted to make? Though one professor of hers did convince her to stop burning plastic. What impact could Layla make if she was making herself sick? I, I basically made a po- posts on f- social media and I was so depressed. And I just started drawing these women, uh, women and women, you know, kissing and then just throwing them on social media. I just realized some people were blocking me. Some people were attacking me. Because I, uh, when I talked with one of the activists that day, she told me, you know, if you feel like you're really out, because you're not going to go back in the closet, this is what she told me. She told me now everybody knows you. So it is up to your decision. You either have to move forward or move backwards. I'm like, no, I'm not going back. I decided to move forward. <sighs> Layla's notoriety grew. In 2014, a local newspaper publicly outed her and 100 others 
she received death threats, among other forms of harassment. And when her father found out, he told her not to come back home. Naturally, she was incredibly tormented by this. But she turned to her art, an activist community for support. The reception of her work, the dialogue it was creating, the visibility it created for her, and the validation of her experience nourished her. It gave her hope, even though her existence was threatened daily. Her path forward would end up taking her away from Kampala and the streets in which she found the precious discarded materials and people out of which she constructed her art and community. She set out to seek asylum in the United States when she was invited to a residency called FIRE, the Fire Island Artist Residency, in the beachy, rustic, bohemian gay enclave of Cherry Grove, New York. And it was then, in the summer of 2015, after crowdsourcing the money she needed for the fellowship, she knew that when she left for Cherry Grove, she would not be returning to Uganda. FIRE is the first U.S. residency exclusively for LGBTQ artists. Imagine it, coming from a place like Uganda, where homosexuality was invisible at best and punishable by death at worst. To a place where art, queerness, and sex reign. Layla was overwhelmed at first. It was crazy because the culture is totally different from where I come from. Up to today, I I, I strongly don't know if I really want to go and hang around Fire Island because the way I grew up is, is not where you see men uh, having sex on the beach. Uh, and they don't care about it, where you see men moving around naked, where you see, you know, we kind of, I kind of grew up in a very humble background and primitive way where, and uh, when I got to Fire Island, it, I, I first felt like I didn't want to get out of the place or out of the house for a couple of weeks because I wasn't used to that culture. Layla, once again, was guided by her admiration of women. This time, though, the women were different. I'd never seen a real trans woman. I'd never seen one. I'd never seen a drama queen. I'd never seen such people. But on Fire Island, you know, it's like, it, it happens every day. Every time they're on the ferry, they're in the city, they're, they're, they're on the beach, there are tons of them, they're doing their thing, there are lots of drag queens. So I fell in love with them. I said, I'm not talking about Uganda today. Let me talk about these beautiful women. When you go to the restroom, they're there dressing up, making up. So I decided to make for them a mirror outside the bar. It was a big mirror, very huge mirror. So I put it outside so that when they come, instead of rushing to the restroom all the time with their small mirrors in the bag, they have this huge mirror. I kind of got into the, the Fire Island, basically loving that other bit. just go in there and say, well, she's a lesbian, she's from Uganda, she was outed, give her asylum. That's not her story. That might be other people's stories, but really like her story is that I am an artist who is a lesbian 
or I am a lesbian who's also an artist. And it's, you can't like, you can't, you can't untie one from the other. And she was persecuted in part because of her, mostly because of her art, because it was an outward expression of her orientation, but also of her political beliefs. That's Christina Pena, Layla's Board of Immigration Appeals representative. I mean, it's incredible that, that Layla was out there doing this work when people were, were literally going, looking for people to stone them to death um, and to hang them. And, and as a lot of us know, like that's what happened in Layla's case. Her, her picture and her name was published in a few tabloids uh, calling for her death. And, and a lot of this is because of, of that activism and the artwork that she was showing during that time. You cannot disconnect Layla with her art. The reason is my art is gay. <laughs> Let me call it like that. My art is gay. And uh, of course, my art would be illegal. Not even would be, was illegal because it was gay. Uh, the reason why I call my art gay, it, 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 it's, it's work that I created, all that I used to create and uh, give names like I'm safe here. And the explanations were like, oh, they're persecuting us gay people. They're putting us in prison, we gay people. So my work became political itself. So I, I wouldn't sell my work in anybody's gallery. Nobody, no gallery would take me in to, to sell my art because first, the, first besides my personality, the, gay, the work itself is gay and being gay is illegal in the country. So I, I never made sales in any gallery. No gallery showed my art. If you can show that you're a member of a particular social group, um, you've established that you you merit a grant of asylum. If you can show that you fear persecution because you're a member of that group, you also merit a grant of asylum. So sexual orientation has been found as meeting that standard. Artists haven't been found um, to meet that standard, but my theory for Layla's case was that not only as a lesbian, she warranted a grant of asylum, but also as an artist, because you can't separate Layla's art from who she is as a person. It's innate and fundamental to who she is. It's an extension of her being, of her, not only of her sexual orientation, but also of her political beliefs. In February, 2018, Layla was granted asylum in the United States. And since she's moved to the U.S., Layla has had no problem showing her art. She's also been finding some amazing trash. She's been carving heads out of wood or creating them from clay and concrete, then adorning them with the discarded treasures she finds. In her first show, after she had been officially granted asylum, Layla reconstructed a Ugandan history that had been erased. When I came here, I started creating works that I call queens, princess. So I was looking for good names from the royal family. And as I kept on reading, I read about Kabaka Mwanga. I'm like, yes, this Kabaka existed. I remembered he was a bisexual king. So I'm like, okay, I get the title now. I started relating my work to what is going on or something that really happened. I said this king was there. They would never talk anything good about this king. 
I named the show after the king, the king himself, uh, by honoring him, saying, okay, we have this king, we have, we have this history. This history has never been talked about. The show is a reimagining of the court of King Mwanga II, who was openly bisexual in the late 19th century. Contemporary Ugandan history has tried to erase this story. Layla took it upon herself to bring it to life in an ongoing project she calls Queens. Each figure is named after a contemporary princess or prince, relating modern-day homophobic Ugandan royalty back to the queer royalty of Uganda's past. One piece from the show is a double-faced ceramic head. The hair is made from long, rusty chains that rest atop the pedestal the figure sits on. Neither face looks particularly masculine or feminine, but from the title of the work, we know that she is the queen mother of King Mwanga II, and she looks pretty unhappy on both of her faces. Another figure in the show, this one carved from wood, has a metal band around its head and mouth. This is not a harmonious royal court. Kabaka Mwanga was there. He was there even before the missionaries themselves. He was gay and everybody just, he was doing his thing. The, the act had no name. When the missionaries came, this is when now the act of being gay became bad. And they started uh, uh, spreading the word of hate, called, saying, oh, this act is wrong. And, and I decided to bring back and honor the king because he was there. He was gay even before the Christians came. So it's it's not... It's not Western, it's a Western act. I was gay when I was 17 years. This is when I found out, they found out I was gay. I'd never seen any white person in my whole life. And then I asked myself, then who taught me? Maybe it's, I don't know. So uh, I still had have these many questions, but uh, probably shall find the answers. Layla is healing. She herself is becoming more visible more vibrant as she populates her native Uganda's erased history. In a recent show at Socrates Sculpture Park on the banks of the East River in Long Island City, Queens, Layla made two large sculptures, pairs of gender non-conforming figures who look peaceful as they nestle into one another, like any other pair of lovers snuggling in front of a grand view of the New York City skyline, a backdrop full of immense promise. The work is titled Tuli Makwano, which in Swahili simply means, we are in love. One pair is carved from one piece of wood and topped with headpieces made from aluminum cans. Their eyes are closed and their lips and cheeks look relaxed. Compared to the tormented royalty from her earlier show, these ones actually look regal. Sexuality is complicated, personal, and for now, political. And just as it was central to Layla's asylum case, our sexuality is a core part of who we are and the art we create. It is, as the title Tuli Makwano suggests, a simple fact of life. Take it or leave it, it's there. Lovers knows that sex happens in the studios where art is made, and that some of the best ideas might come right after you come and that the best relationships inspire artists to dig deeper into the parts of themselves and the world around them that are too mysterious to journey into without a hand to grasp when things get weird. What if, when we looked at art, we remembered 
and we felt that a human made it. Maybe a heartbroken human or a horny human and not an art-making robot from the land of white cubes. Sex and art are in the air we breathe. And I don't know about you, but that turns me on. I hope you enjoyed letting lovers caress your ears. This is the final episode. I'm Chelsea Beck, and this has been season four of Raw Material. As you probably noticed, this episode sounds a bit different. We featured the work of DJ Campire. As one of the best female DJs in Kampala, you'd be lucky to catch her set at the hottest queer dance party in town. Also, thanks to Chris Boja of Fire and Sam Gordon of Gordon Robichaud Gallery. So much thanks to Annie Rossi for letting me use your music to hourly pleasure our lovers, uh, listeners. If you want to stay in touch with me beyond this season of lovers, you can find me at menageamoi.org. I'm going to miss you. I love sneezy.